This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. Well, I'm really excited today to have Dr. Nadia Padaguana, who is a naturopathic doctor and dietary coach for The Fasting Method with Megan Ramos and Dr. Jason Fung. She also co-authored the book, The PCOS Plan, Prevent and Reverse Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome Through Diet and Fasting with Dr. Fung. Dr. Nadia has over 15 years of clinical experience with using real food and intermittent fasting for metabolic and reproductive health. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you on this morning. Thank you, Cynthia. My pleasure. Well, I read your book, which I think is a fantastic resource, but I'd love for you to share with the listeners because I feel like our stories are so critical and so important to kind of directing the direction that we kind of head in, in terms of our, you know, our niche and our focus, but I'd love for you to share with the listeners a little bit about you and, and how you kind of came to where you are today. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and I, and from the, from what I know about you and what we just talked about a little bit, not, not too different, right? So yeah. My story, and this is kind of where our, our book starts with my story and why this has become, um, you know, where, where life meets at work sort of thing. So my story actually started, obviously, as a, as a young, as a young uh, child, sort of wanting to be a medical doctor growing up, uh, went into undergrad, did a biology degree, decided to go into naturopathic medicine uh, because I was... I was sort of disappointed with the medical care I was I was getting at the time. I was a young woman with IBS, uh, severe irritable bowel syndrome, and I just I got frustrated and I thought naturopathic medicine was going to help. And so I decided to go into naturopathic medicine instead. And I'm glad that I did because I think it it brought together a combination of um, I went to the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, which is a great school, and I got a really nice balance between the medical sciences and sort of the complementary medicine. But what, what I got from it the most, I think, was learning how to look at people as a whole and not as individual organs or parts or to symptomatically treat people. And so that, you know, that stayed behind. I, I, I've been, uh, I've graduated, I think, 17 years ago at this point, but it's, it's an important uh, part of naturopathic medicine. The, one of the first principles is to treat people as a whole and not as parts. So when I finished naturopathic uh, medicine, so that was a twist going into naturopathic medicine. And there was another little twist, which was instead of staying in Canada, uh, where I grew up, I decided to go back to my home country. I'm from Mozambique, which is in, um, it's on the border of South Africa. So Southeast Africa. Mm-hmm. And it's a great country, fun, and that was probably one of the main reasons why I wanted to go there as a 25-year-old. But I wanted to work with mothers and babies. I wanted to work in the nutrition field, and so that was the big thing. I thought I would go to Mozambique and work in the impoverished communities and learn a whole lot and hopefully help a whole lot. But that was not available to me. I was not, uh, I tried and tried. And uh, the Minister of Health, eventually I had a meeting with him because I could not work for the ministry. They wouldn't, they would just, naturopathic medicine wasn't um, regulated in Mozambique, et cetera. So it was just complicated, politics and all these other things. So he, his suggestion was, you need to open a weight loss clinic. 
in the city in Maputo, which is where I was born. And I was like, what? Why would I do that? <laughs> Why on earth would I do that in Mozambique? And he was like, because people need it. And he was right. I, I sort of ended up doing it out of desperation. I wanted to work. I'd already been there for six months trying to work. And I was surprised that I had a line out the door. I was very busy, very quickly. I was the only person doing this. I had to become a dietitian very, very quickly, even though I don't think that I had... I know that I didn't have the training for it. But so I was young and I was eager and I was a hard worker and I had a good background and I had a lot of support. I had a lot of wonderful, um, I started working in a complimentary setting right away, a lot of medical doctors. I actually did eventually have my own uh, clinic, um, uh, multidisciplinary disciplinary clinic. So it was great. It was a great 10 years of learning. Mm -hmm. And as I say, Mozambican people are wonderful, supportive and, um, patients. Uh, and a lot of them were my guinea pigs along uh, those 10 years. Luckily, I didn't have many restrictions. So I could actually do what worked and learn what worked. And, and I didn't have nobody uh, telling me that I couldn't uh, recommend this or that kind of a diet. And so I, I kind of started with a real food diet. I adapted what I call the base diet based on some of the diets that we had learned in naturopathic medicine. And then I started throwing in some detoxes over time. And these were these low carb, strict low carb sort of thing. And that's what worked, right? Like mm -hmm. that's what really worked. And I think a lot of people ended up doing just the detoxes because they wanted full results. But at the time, I think 16 years ago, doing low carb, strict low carb keto wasn't something that was talked about and people yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't do it. But if you called it a detox, they would do it, right? Detox <laughs> was the way to go. And so... One very interesting thing that happened along those 10 years and right at the, the first five years, I would say, is that I got a lot of women reporting reproductive improvement, either in cycles or women getting pregnant after 13 years of trying, like crazy, crazy stories. And there was enough of these stories because number one, um, I think, well, I was the only person doing weight loss clinics and doing this type of stuff in, in all of Mozambique. So I had people coming all over the country to see me. Um, it's a, it's a nice sort of uh, tight, more tight-knit type of community. Mm -hmm. Word of mouth spreads very easily. But uh, also because the women that I, were, that I was seeing, the great majority of people that I was seeing were women in their 30s and 40s mm -hmm. that very much wanted to lose weight and uh, be healthy. So that was a, a great, uh, the, the majority of people that I was seeing were people in that age. And so I think for that reason, I also ended up getting a lot more uh, of these results. Mm -hmm. And so at the time I had no idea why this was happening. People would have questioned, they, they would come with their husbands and, and say, why, how did this happen? How did my wife start a diet with you three months ago and get pregnant when we've been trying for 13 years, we've done IVF, she's much older now. How is this possible? It has to be in the diet. There's no other reason. And I would say, I don't know, it's the elimination, it's the detox, it's the cleanse. That's what, mm -hmm. what I used to say then. And then of course, uh, uh, as I'm a big believer in karma, Mm -hmm. All of this great learning and um, helped me in my own personal, just like you said, I was never diagnosed with PCOS as a young woman, except looking because I was lean and thin and yeah. fit and, uh, you know, all these other things that we, that we associate with being healthy, um, even though I was far from being healthy. Mm -hmm. um, 
based on a very, very poor diet that I had as a young person. But genetically, I just didn't gain uh, weight at the time. Uh, and I didn't know that I was creating metabolic syndrome and, and reproductive concerns along the way because I was thin. And, and, and when I was a young, when I was a teenager and I went to my doctor with some concerns, all that was done is I was put on the pill and I was given yeah. some acne treatments and it was never looked further. There was no, you know, they never looked into why I had such irregular cycles, why I had bad acne and hirsutism, you know, the abnormal hair growth. It was never, and at the time I didn't care, as you said, Cynthia, I wasn't trying to get pregnant. I was a right. teen. Um, and, and anyway, so I was on all of these medications and, and had some, some other concerns. I, I think now my IBS is, was totally related to maybe not PCOS, but definitely the insulin resistance. I had rebound hypoglycemia. I had all these migraines. I had a definitely a mood disorder. And so years down the road already in Mozambique and uh, after seeing all these people and having all these wonderful uh, results. And I didn't care that people were being pregnant because that's not what I was trying to do. I was trying to help lose <laughs> weight. So when they were asking me, why, why am I getting pregnant? I didn't, to be honest, it wasn't my field. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was a bit of a joke. Don't go see this doctor, uh, because you're <laughs> pregnant. Cause as I said, I was seeing a lot of women in their forties. Right. Right. And so anyway, uh, in my early thirties, I guess late twenties, early thirties, uh, I got married started trying to conceive. And even though I had a regular cycle, I did have a period once I got off the pill, I had a, a period, um, I wasn't getting pregnant. And so after a, a little over a year, I went to my doctor in South Africa. A lot of people go to, go to doctors in South Africa and go to clinics in South Africa when they live in Mozambique, if they can. Uh, it is very good medicine in South Africa, not to say that it wasn't in Mozambique. I ended up learning a lot from a Mozambican gynecologist, which helped me in my journey too. But anyhow, I went to see my gynecologist and I was adamant that I had PCOS. I did enough research. I really wanted to get pregnant. I, I thought I had PCOS and he wouldn't test me because I was, uh, I remember him like grabbing onto my belly and going, look how thin you are. And uh, anyway, because it was private care, as I say, you can always persuade whatever you want. And I ended up getting tested and I had frank PCOS. So the all three diagnostic criteria for PCOS, I was not ovulating. I had uh, obviously the expressions of uh, male hormones and I had the cysts. He even showed me on ultrasound. He's like, oh, look, see, that's the that pearl necklace yeah. uh, formation of PCOS. And I was like, there you go. I have it. And now what? And he said, now you take Clomid. And I, and he said, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm certain that you're going to be obese by the next time I see you. And he walked wow. me out the door and that wow. was it. And he gave me Clomid, which is an ovulation stimulator and sent me home. And I went home and I was very frustrated, but I decided that I was going to sort of put the, the pieces together because when, when I got off the pill, I did gain weight but it was all around my midsection. So mm -hmm. now I went from being underweight, under my, the BMI, to probably being just on the border of normal weights, but I had this, um, I could tell that I had gained weight around my midsection. And I didn't, again, had no connection then. I had no idea what this, and still, I, I remember this is a very common thing in Mozambique. People would say to me, I wanna come to you and I wanna, uh, I wanna, I don't wanna lose weight. I just wanna lose my belly, which is a big thing. Mm. Just want to lose my belly. I don't want to lose weight because they, they, they didn't. And these are the people that we see all the time, right? So anyway, went home, decided that I was going to do my detoxes. Those crazy detoxes I was giving people that were helping them, I was going to do that too. 
because if it helped them, it was going to help me. And of course, in a month or two, I ovulated and I got pregnant right away with my first child, um, which, you know, if it had been a little, if it had taken me a little longer, it would have, uh, and people get frustrated when it takes them longer to get pregnant, but it would have given me a chance to, to maybe learn a little bit more and resolve some issues, which I didn't. So I got pregnant with PCOS and I had some pregnancy complications and my baby had some complications and postpartum complications. And then two years later, uh, and I forgot all about the diet. I never followed the diet during, and, and who would follow these detoxes, right? Uh, who would tell somebody to follow low carb ketogenic mm -hmm. diet during pregnancy? And so anyway, two years later, uh, when I started trying to conceive of my second child, I was overweight, diabetic, hypertensive, um, and everything else that comes with it. Wanted to get pregnant. The Clomid didn't uh, even work then, even though I took the Clomid the second time around. Uh, six months later, no baby crying, crying, crying. And then my friend in Mozambique, a Mozambican gynecologist, she said to me, remember, you're insulin resistant. Mm -hmm. You have PCOS. And that was when I connected the dots. Mm -hmm. That's when everything made sense. The diet, the insulin, the PCOS, the reproduction, everything, everything made sense. So she did give me metformin uh, to help. Um, and I got pregnant again, I think in a month or two. It was, again, very, very quickly once insulin was addressed. Uh, this time through metformin, not diet, but the link is there. And so after I had my second child, I was on a lot of medication. And I decided that this was, by then, uh, keto, low-carb, intermittent fasting. These were all things that were known. I then knew PCOS was linked to all of this. It was obvious. Um, but anyhow, I went on this uh, ketogenic, low, lower carb diet and intermittent fasting that I met Dr. Fung and Megan, started working with them. I was back in Toronto at the time. And uh, here I am today. No, that's, an, that's an incredible story. I mean, to, you know, sometimes the, the, the path that our life takes, it doesn't make sense until you get to one particular point. And I'm sure for you, you know, growing up in Canada, then being in Mozambique and then not being able to use your medical license and having to kind of, you know, pivot and do weight loss. And then that ended up being this incredible opportunity to learn so much. And then your own health journey. And I sometimes. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi-Optimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. Product with five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com 
com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. The indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some circumstances, up to a 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? I want to introduce you to a product by Air Doctor that has captured the attention of established media outlets like CNN, ABC, and more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so that your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that have the potential to go on and make us sick. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day, breathe-easy, money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorrow.com and use code CYNTHIA. You'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 in value. Look at the special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code Cynthia. I absolutely love my air filters. They're an integral component to ensuring that the air that my family breathes in our home is as safe as possible. Feel that when we ourselves have gone through our own health journey, it makes us so much more sympathetic and empathetic as, you know, as healthcare providers, as human beings, and so many parallels. I mean, I'm, I'm laughing as I'm listening. I had IBS. Everyone told me it was, oh, you can't eat this. You can't eat that. I had IBS. I definitely had peach fuzz. I definitely had irregular anovulatory cycles, got put on the pill very early on, um, you know, ended up, you know, didn't realize that I was anovulatory until I was trying to get pregnant. And I remember I had a really wonderful GYN who said to me, um, there's a misnomer. People assume that everyone with PCOS is obese and they're not. She said, you're part of that probably 25% of women who are thinner that actually have PCOS. And she's like, I think that's the reason why you're not getting pregnant. And so got pregnant on Clomid, ended up doing IUI, went down that whole rabbit hole. Um, but what an incredible story. And, and thank you so much for sharing all that. So for the benefit of the listeners, I know you kind of talked about the triad of what goes on with PCOS, but could you dive a little bit deeper into explaining what it is? Because I bet there are probably people listening, if not themselves, a loved one that they suspect probably has some degree of PCOS so that they can help, you know, educate themselves and, and get the assistance that they need. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll try, Cynthia. So the funny thing is that PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, is so well, well known, recognized now uh, that I have, when I speak uh, at lectures, when I do lectures, I always ask, how many of you have heard of PCOS? And even though these are medical conferences, there's a lot of people there that are not doctors. And almost everyone puts up their hand. And when I ask how many of you know someone or have that has PCOS or has or you yourself have PCOS, again, you get a whole lot of, mm -hmm. of people putting up their hand. A lot of men come up to me at these conferences. A lot of men join my groups and I because they it. know somebody that, mm -hmm. you know, it's, 
it's that prominent because it is the most common endocrine condition in women in their reproductive years. Mm-hmm. There, it's, it's unknown if it's 10% or more of women uh, with PCOS, but it's definitely up there, okay? It's, it's up there. And so here's the thing. We, we, we recognize it because it's been around for a long time. It's very common, so we recognize it. Doctors know of it very well. It's not that doctors don't know what PCOS is. I think it's just not being addressed appropriately. It's not being diagnosed appropriately. It's definitely being mistreated because, again, women like you and I, young women like you and I are coming in. You know, if you're thin, maybe you're treated differently, uh, but maybe you're disregarded. And if you're overweight, it's just horrid because you're just told, uh, basically it's your fault. You're, you need to eat less and move more, right? The good old calories in calories mm-hmm. out. Um, and so young women are having a really hard time with this. It's not that it's not recognized. It's just mistreated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in our book, Dr. Funk says, you know, if PCOS was just about a few missed periods, um, and some acne, then I guess it wouldn't be a big deal. But, it, but even that in itself is a huge deal. That's Young right. women, a few missed periods, irregular cycles, very painful cycles, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of acne, a little bit of uh, hair growth on your mm-hmm. face and body. That's a huge deal, as if that wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it isn't just that. It's, an, it's this uh, reproductive disorder that is uh, related to and, and associated with metabolic syndrome mm-hmm. because of insulin and insulin resistance. So even lean women like you and I, uh, the science is there. So I've done a review on PCOS and the contribution of hyperinsulinemia, and it's there. The science is there. The, the researchers know, uh, maybe doctors, not all doctors know, but the researchers know that insulin resistance is behind this because even lean women with PCOS have a higher degree of insulin resistance, meaning that when you eat, you're going to produce more insulin. Mm -hmm. Then you get into this sort of negative loop, right? The rebound hypoglycemia, which Mm -hmm. a lot of women with PCOS have. And so in your mind, you think I need more sugar because Mm -hmm. I'm craving more sugar. The only reason why you crave more sugar is because you produce more insulin. And then it's this, and you think it's your fault. You know, I can't do, you know, I can't diet. And even when they try, they don't have really great results because they're not doing the right diet. They're trying to go low calorie when Mm -hmm. that's not really what you should be trying to do when you have PCOS. And so that's just to give uh, more of a summary of what PCOS is in real people. Then when you go in to get diagnosed for it, you need to have two out of the three diagnostic criteria. And that's the current uh, diagnostic criteria for PCOS. And that's challenging. First of all, PCOS is not even called PCOS in some parts of the world. So it might not even be the same disease, uh, the same um, and it is a diagnosis of exclusion. So you have to exclude all these other things before you can even diagnose PCOS. But anyhow, the current diagnostic criteria is two out of three of irregular cycles and or ovulation. So again, mm-hmm. like you and I, you might have a mm-hmm. cycle, but you might not be ovulating. And that sounds confusing, but uh, Dr. Fung writes about a, a, that in our book to explain it a little bit better. The second thing is the at least expressions of excessive male hormones. You might not have clinically uh, high testosterone and the other male hormones because these hormones fluctuate. Sometimes in women with PCOS, it's not that their testosterone is too high, but it's that another enzyme producing the liver is too low and it's not bound. And so it's more free testosterone and doing all kinds of stuff that you don't want it to do, like 
uh, hair, male pattern baldness and male pattern hair growth, mm -hmm. coarse hair. And the third is, of course, these uh, polycysts, which are not really cysts, they're immature follicles in your ovaries. So there's all these little uh, follicles in your ovaries that are not maturing, and that's why you're not ovulating. So when you look at the science behind this, all three of these things, and that's a big part of the beginning of our book. So there's a part of a practical guide, which is great because people want a solution. And that's why we wrote this, not to make this doom and gloom, but to, to give people hope mm -hmm. in a solution. But there's a nice science part that Dr. Fung wrote um, explaining how insulin is behind all three of these and how insulin then is not just a, a hormone with metabolic functions. It, it is a hormone with these huge reproductive functions, probably a lot more functions that we're learning along the way. That's why mm -hmm. learning how to control insulin is so important. Thank you so much for that. And, and I think that it's really important for us to consider that in this whole constellation, you know, the, the one thing when a lot of what I talk about, what so many of us are talking about is we have hormones in our bodies and when they're not properly regulated, not properly balanced, you will get these, these disorders. And so insulin, and I, sometimes I get a lot of people asking me like, is insulin such a bad thing? And I'm like, no, no, we need insulin. Too much of any one thing is not good. And this is a good example of what can happen in our bodies when we have too much insulin and how that can adversely impact our health. I don't know about you, but I like to enjoy a nice wine glass after a long day. But the problem is that so many of the wines have harmful chemicals like pesticides or they have way too much sugar, which would damage your health in the long run. After doing some researching, I discovered Dry Farm Wine, the only health-focused natural wine club in the world. Their wine is all natural and additive-free, lab-tested for purity, sugar-free, and low alcohol, so you can enjoy the taste of good wines without the massive chemical or sugar intake. By joining the Dry Farm Wine Club, you can choose how often you'd like to receive the wines. You can choose monthly or every other month and how many you'd like to receive. And as a special gift, if you sign up with our link, you can get a bonus bottle of pure natural wine with your first order for just one extra penny. Visit the link in the description to claim your bonus bottle of natural wine and join the Dry Farm Wine Club. So... When we're talking about PCOS and we're looking at, we've talked about diagnostic criteria and hearing a bit about both of our stories um, and, you know, and how helpful that can be for so many people to know that it's not just one way or the highway in terms of looking at this as a disorder. Common, I would say commonly accepted ways that people are looking at this is most healthcare providers are using medication. And what I hear you saying, and I know from your work, is that the lifestyle piece is so, so critical. So kind of walk us through what are some of the ways that you're helping support your patients right now with kind of looking at PCOS and addressing it from a lifestyle perspective. Obviously, medication can also be a component of that, but it sounds like the lifestyle piece is really the most important first step when addressing PCOS. Uh Thank you. So uh, our book uh, is broken up basically into four parts, right? But but a, a part of the book is just, just explain this. I think you have to understand it first. You have to know what PCOS is and what it isn't. I was uh, talking to you a little, a little bit before this, and I was saying one of the most uh, frustrating things is the amount of conflicting information mm -hmm. out there and the amount of these... Um, 
overwhelming recommendations about supplements and medication for women with PCOS. I'm not saying, I myself have said even here, and you said, you know, you took Clomid, I took Clomid, Metformin. I'm not saying that there aren't medications and even supplements out there that mimic these medications or have another um, form of action that can help women with PCOS. But when you have something like PCOS or obesity or diabetes or all these other related conditions, you don't want to help. You don't want to band-aid over a bullet hole, like Jason Fung says. You want to go in, that's where the naturopathic part of me comes in. You want to go in and treat the root cause of the problem. So uh, could you do the lifestyle part with all of these other medications, supplements? Yes, great. But often I find, and I get these messages constantly, how about this? And how about that? And how about that? And so my approach, because I'm a very direct person, I'm very blunt. Uh, I don't like to waste people's time or my time. I just, and I work as a coach, right? I am ultimately, I'm, I no longer practice as a naturopath. I, I work as a, as a dietary coach uh, and guide. And so my thing is, this is a, a bit of a joke between my clients and I, keep your eye on the ball. Mm-hmm. You want to take all of these supplements. Your doctor's recommended a great medicine that makes you feel better. Great. But if you don't keep your eye on the ball, if you don't focus on insulin, which is the underlying cause, if you don't treat the insulin and the insulin resistance and the hyperinsulinemia, all of these things are not going to be of great help, unfortunately. And this is why women with PCOS, and of course this applies to many other things, start and stop and start and stop mm-hmm. something. And they never really go through have great results right because unless you're actually putting a great big amount of your effort and weight into doing the treating the one thing the root cause then then it's not going to work so of course i understand that there are supplements out there and there's even some other diets out there that might help right at least as a start i hear a lot about the gluten-free and dairy-free that's great but if you're going to substitute gluten with other foods that are going to raise your insulin, if you're going to substitute Mm -hmm. dairy with other foods that are going to raise your insulin even more, it is not great. Mm -hmm. So go into it thinking I'm going to be gluten-free or dairy-free because those things also raise insulin and I'm going to substitute them with real foods that are going to have less of an insulin response. So our work as a coach and in our book, we talk about a real food, lower carb approach Mm -hmm. because we know that of all the macronutrients, the carbohydrates are the ones that have the highest insulin response. Uh, Of course, uh, the more processed carbohydrates, uh, even worse, the more processed foods, even worse. All these artificial sweeteners and all of these other flavorants and commercialized uh, diet products actually raise your insulin a ton. And this is what people don't realize. Mm-hmm. So they're going into these lower calorie, lower even carb diets, but they're not lowering insulin. They're lowering carbs or they're lowering calories. This isn't about carbs or calories. This is actually about insulin. So it's understanding insulin and the importance of it. As you said, we you can't live without insulin. We want insulin. And there's a reason why women actually at certain part of their cycle, their insulin production increases and become more insulin resistant. That uh, would be great if we were all still eating really healthy, lower carb, uh, more appropriate diet like uh, a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. That is not the case. For women that are riddled with junk food and have metabolic syndrome and PCOS, the fact that the second half of our cycle is actually more insulin resistant is not great. 
Mm-hmm. And so we have to lower that insulin even at that second part of your cycle if you're wanting to regulate your, your reproductive health and, and all that. So how do we lower insulin? We choose foods that have less of an insulin response. Lower carb, moderate protein, higher fat. It does have to be real food mm-hmm. because the commercialized, you know, this is how... Mighty Maca is a superfood drink mix full of 30 plus natural ingredients, and it was formulated by Dr. Anna Kabeca during her healing journey. Mighty Maca Plus ingredients, which include nourishing ingredients like organic maca powder, turmeric, quercetin, broccoli, parsley, trans resveratrol, pomegranate extract, and more, were carefully selected for immune support to sustain energy provide mental clarity and improve recovery. It also tastes delicious. It supports healthy detoxification and alkalinity in the body, balances hormones, fights free radicals, and neutralizes lactic acid, all while increasing your energy and vitality. It helps improve your digestion and reignites your libido. It's a powerful superfood drink mix that needs to be part of your daily routine. And Dr. Anna is offering my listeners 10% off your first purchase by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off your first per that's 10% off your first purchase by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. It's delicious and nutritious. I've been using MitoPure for the last two years, and I've added this to my routine for multiple reasons. Number one, it's a foundational supplement for me and my family. It keeps things simple, and I know that I cannot get enough of urolithin A in my food to derive the same benefits. And if you're not familiarized with urolithin A, it's a signaling molecule, but it's also actively involved in anti-aging, energy production. And I take timeline because of its remarkable remarkable healthy aging solution that activates key critical cellular pathways in my body. It's a total game changer for healthy aging. I alternate between using the soft gels and powder depending on whether or not I'm traveling. And we know that restoring cellular energy is a key to enduring health. And this is concluded in a recent publication in Nature Metabolism, which is a top scientific journal identifying that newly energized cells may provide many more years of healthy life to people. Yet as we age, we know that cellular energy production naturally declines and reduces our prospects of optimal health and longevity. That's the great thing about Timeline is you can restore cellular energy and support healthy aging. I've noticed the biggest improvements in my energy and sleep levels. We know that Timeline is clinically shown to give our cellular energy generators the mitochondria new power. And when taken daily, it replaces aging mitochondria. So it upregulates mitophagy and rebuilds new ones or mitogenesis. Timeline is the only nutrient that can do what it does. So timeline renews your cells to a more powerful state. My listeners can get 10% off your first order at timeline.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off at timeline.com dot com slash Cynthia. I know you're going to love this product. Uh, the food industry makes money. They find they create products, call them natural this and natural that. They raise your insulin. If something raises your insulin, it becomes extremely addictive. Mm-hmm. You want more, you crave it, right? You crave it, you crave it. And then it's, it's it, I call that feeding the insulin beast. It gets stronger than you. So you have to learn how to tame the beast or starve the beast. 
right? And that's where intermittent fasting comes in. Uh, so it's a combination between a real food diet with intermittent fasting in order to lower your insulin to appropriate levels and start to regulate your other hormones. And I think that's really valuable that, you know, I always say to my own patients, it all starts with food and it really does all start with food. And, and I'm always an advocate if someone's going from a, and I'm going to use a phrase that Ben Azadi uses, stupid American diet, standard American diet, which is highly processed, highly excitotoxin, highly addictive. If you're going from that to eating less processed, that's a win. But really what I hear you saying, and, and that's really, really critical, is that lots of people go gluten-free, maybe they go grain-free, maybe they go dairy-free, but then they're still weaving in crackers and cake and protein bars and protein shakes that can still be spiking insulin. And so it's really important for us to eat as less processed as possible. And that means things that are going to require sometimes prep work. You know, you have to prep batch proteins, you have to, you know, cut up vegetables. But once individuals start eating differently, the cravings go away. Like I used to always refer to it as a monkey on the back, like those sugar cravings that people would feel that were so strong for them that would beckon them when they were asleep. We would beckon them as soon as they finished a meal, or maybe they were halfway through their day and they get a fatty, sugary coffee drink, or they're grabbing a candy bar. And so kind of blocking those pathways or those habits really does allow you to take back control of your life, which I, I think so many of us, we have largely given our lives over to the processed food industry. And, and that's just the shift that's occurred over the last 50 years here in the United States. And if you look at the statistics on the billions and billions of dollars worth of profit, the processed food industry makes, it really is going to take an army of us to kind of twist, you know, turn things around and, and really do, a, do ourselves a, a favor and, you know, improve our metabolic health enormously. So when we're looking at PCOS and we're talking about the, um, the changes in diet, and then you mentioned intermittent fasting, how do you typically kind of guide your your coaching clients? How do you kind of guide them through the process? I'm sure they're probably not going from, you know, eating 16, 17 hours out of the day, going automatically to doing, you know, 16, eight or, or some variation thereof. But how do you kind of walk them through it? Because I, I think the other piece that I find really interesting is that many, many people are fearful of what true intrinsic hunger feels like because they haven't felt it for so long. And they're fearful that they're going to, and this is, I'm quoting some of my patients, they think they're going to die because they're not eating food. And I just remind them, our body has largely infinite resources to draw upon when we need to fuel our bodies, although they may not realize it. Yeah. I think people's biggest struggle is not hunger, it's cravings. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you're spot on. It's exactly, that's exactly everything that you've just said. People need to choose more real foods, mm -hmm. uh, which is challenging because mm -hmm. we have really, uh, we have all of these fake food ads. It's all over. You can't go on Facebook without seeing a million things. You can't watch a show without watching a million commercials. You can't drive mm -hmm. down the road without looking at all these billboards. And then you have this peripheral insulin response just from looking and smelling and yep. thinking about these foods. So the cravings are the biggest issue, um, I think. And so the higher your insulin, the more cravings you have. And it's, it is that monkey on your back. It is that insulin beast. And you are like David and Goliath. It's mm -hmm. so challenging. So if you don't change the way that you eat, willpower is, you just can't do this based on willpower, okay? None of us have in a strong enough willpower to combat this if we keep eating these foods. Even if we were to do fasting, if you were to fast and eat these things 
every time it, it would just be, it, it would be, you would be miserable mm -hmm. in between meals. I mean, you could do it, but you would be, uh, some people can do it, but it's miserable. Then you have the rebound hypoglycemia, as I said, anyway, so you might not feel well. So you have to make sure that your meals are rich and nourishing. They have to be nourishing. You need to walk away from a meal feeling full and satisfied. Mm -hmm. And this is the, what you said at the end of the meal, you're craving sugar. If you go and get wrapped something, you're constantly going to be looking for that. You're never going to walk away feeling satisfied. You mm -hmm. think you are because you think if I eat that, I'm going to feel better and it's going to take away my craving. Whenever you're craving something, if you feed a craving, the craving gets bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, nature has these three um, insulin mitigating uh, foods, right? It's, it's vinegar, it's fiber, and it's fat. So you're, you want to add more of these and less of the things that are going to raise your insulin and leave you craving. And that's why the ketogenic diet is so successful for people with metabolic syndrome and uh, women with PCOS. Although there's a lot of products out there, like we said, and a lot of, in our book has a paragraph that we, we, come full out said, it's, I'm not against the keto diet, not at all. I followed a ketogenic diet for a very long time. That was the diet that I followed to heal. Um, I, you know, the problem is like every other, there's going to be opportunities there and these fake foods are not going to help women with PCOS and people with metabolic syndrome. So rich, nourishing meals. And then, as you said, the second part, the intermittent fasting, which I think is the first part, I think, um, all foods raise insulin, right? All and that's what insulin is supposed to do. So good thing for insulin. Yes. Good thing for a functioning pancreas that produces insulin, but no matter what food you consume real or not, you're going to produce some insulin, which is fine. Great. No problem. But if you have really, really high insulin levels to begin with, very, very insulin resistant, um, you know, every time you eat, you're going to have an, an unnatural insulin response, an undesired uh, insulin response. Not that natural one that everybody wants, but an unnatural one, which even if you eat real foods, good foods, you still can't, you know, it's, it's this cycle. So intermittent fasting is a great thing. Time-restricted eating. So that's how we start. We start with time-restricted eating. Full meals, no snacks. Mm -hmm. All right? There's no healthy snacks. That's an oxymoron. <laughs> uh, and I'm not, I didn't come up with that. I think I've seen this everywhere. You mentioned Ben, including Ben, you know, all over. Um, anyone in this intermittent fasting, low carb, real food world uh, mm -hmm. understands this, unless you're trying to sell some product, but you understand this, that there are no healthy snacks. You need to mm -hmm. have full meals. You need that time between meals to drop that insulin because what insulin does is it creates, uh, it puts you into storage mode, right? Into the mm -hmm. fed state. And so if you're constantly eating, then you're constantly in storage mode. At what mm -hmm. point do you burn? What point do you, even if you weren't trying to lose weight, right? I mean, if you're constantly in storage mode, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to become insulin resistant. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so you don't want that, even if you're healthy, right? Um, which funny enough, we work with all of these uh, young, healthy people now who want this for prevention of concerns later, which is wonderful. You know, I wish everybody was like that. But if you're already insulin resistant, if you're already hyperinsulinemic, then you need bigger gaps between meals. You need time. Mm -hmm. It takes uh, most people four hours to lower their insulin after, after eating. It will take insulin resistant people even longer. So at what point do you go into that fat burning mode? Because it's insulin. Mm -hmm. If insulin is, is high, you go into storage. If insulin is low, you go into that release mode, that fat burning mode, you know, first, of course you have to go before you get to the fat, you still have to go through your glycogen stores and all of that. But that that's, that's where low carb and intermittent fasting go hand in hand. 
What I think has been really nice. I mean, obviously, I, I've worked in Western medicine for over 20 years, but I know that the rhetoric that I used to tell my patients, embarrassingly enough, uh, as a cardiology nurse practitioner, was bastardizing fats and telling everyone, you know, saturated fats are bad. Um, you know, low cal, low fat was good. Uh, God knows how many chemicals I was recommending, not unknowingly at the time. But it's nice to see that things have come full circle. I know my grandmother, who was a nurse uh, many, many years ago, you know, towards the latter part of her life, used to say, I think it's so nice to see that people are starting to eat real food again. And it really struck me as someone who had lived through World War II and many wars and had worked in a big hospital system that she herself had seen this swing that really was not beneficial for um, our health at all. Well, I'm so grateful to have had you on today. I know that I've had a lot of women ask me about PCOS and obviously having an expert on has really been hugely beneficial. Now, I'm obviously going to recommend your book, but where can people find you? If they wanna learn more about you, get a copy of your book that you wrote with, with Dr. Fung, where can they locate you? Okay, so our book is called The PCOS Plan, Prevent and Reverse Polycystic Ovary Syndrome Through Diet and, and Fasting. And you can find that, in well, I, depending on what's open and closed around you, uh, online seems to be the best, the best uh, way. There's an audible version. There's a Kindle version. I know a lot of uh, bookstores also have it, which is great. I, that would always be my preferred choice if you can just walk into a bookstore and, and buy it. Um, I work uh, still and have for the last few years for the Fasting Method program. It's an online program. I'm one of the, of the coaches, um, thefastingmethod.com, um, and uh, that's where you can find me. That's where I, that's where I see clients online. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, so nice to have had you again today. Thanks for carving time out of your busy schedule. My pleasure, Cynthia. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review. Subscribe and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes. <laughs>